0: Hello, and welcome to Book Club of One. I am Jacob, a librarian, and through the course of a year I read a lot of books. Join me as I detail and share my impressions of the books that have entertained or educated me the most. Reading soon-in-progress books have been started but are living up to the latter part of their name, but at least one of them is going to be featured in this episode. The Brando Sando read-along will continue into April. Starting Friday, I will begin reading Edge Dancer, book 2.5 of the Stormlight Archive series. And also, a quick note, during April, episodes will be going back to a bi-weekly schedule. So instead of the weekly we've enjoyed through March, they will be every other week. So look for a slight change there. The Sum of Us What Racism Costs Everyone, and How We Can Prosper Together. Written by Heather McGee, an African-American expert in economic and social policy. She is the former president of the inequality-focused think tank Demos, has drafted legislation, testified before Congress, and contributed regularly to news shows, including NBC's Meet the Press. She now chairs the Board of Color of Change, the nation's largest online racial justice organization. McGee holds a B.A. in American Studies from Yale University and a J.D. from the University of California, Berkeley School of Law. Her 2020 TED Talk, Racism Has a Cost for Everyone, has been viewed 176,000 times as of March 27th. The Some of Us takes a, a look from the financial crisis to rising student debt to collapsing public infrastructure. McGee found a common root problem. Racism. But not just in the most obvious indignities for people of color. Racism has costs for white people too. It is common denominator of our most vexing pro- public problems, the core dysfunction of our democracy and constitutive of the spiritual and moral crisis that grips us all. But how did this happen? And is there a way out? I heard of this book most likely through book pages, but I'm not entirely sure if that is the only place. But in general, uh, the book begins with McGee explaining that she left her job on the day Trump took office to try to answer the question of why voters, particularly white voters, would vote against their own interests, health, and economic future. She spent three years meeting with experts on public opinion to understand how we learn to see the world, what compels us to act, and what drives us toward Or against certain solutions for problems. This from the introduction, page 17 in Roman numerals. The main focus and argument of the book is on the zero sum paradigm where one group's gain is seen at another's loss. So it is the recurrent subject. Why do we continually view our society this way where one group's gain is our loss? Each of these 10 chapters in the book look at nine different issues and one hopeful model. The first chapter focuses on the loss of public swimming pools in the push for integration. This establishes a strong example and rhetorical callback throughout the rest of the book, frequently thinking of those in the pool, and those in the pool are all of us. McGee is methodical, stating the issue for each chapter, providing a history of the event, relevant studies, and materials from in person interviews. It offers compelling evidence for its subtitle. Backed up by many other publications, that racism is used to divide us and puts societal and causes societal costs for all of us. Coalition building is key to more equality. Particularly page 270 to 71, after describing coalition building, McGee details her discoveries, including more money and effort for the public good, one size never never fits all for solution design and we need each other as communities were her specific findings on how we can combat racism and become the society that we should be. We need to acknowledge and accept the truths of our history. America was built by the exploitation of indigenous and African peoples. From that truth, we can build a new understanding of how Our society operates and better match the popular idea of America as the land of opportunity and equality we so often present to our children. While our first book was particularly serious, our next one is quite not. So this is Noir. It is by Christopher Moore, a white American writer of absurdist fiction who has written 17 novels and one forgettable graphic novel in his own words. Start off as something fun, left to molder in a drawer, was found and put adapted to a graphic novel. Christopher Moore attended Ohio State University and the Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara. Before his first novel was published in 1992, he worked a series of jobs, including a roofer, grocery clerk, hotel night auditor, insurance broker, waiter, and rock and roll DJ, all of these helping shape his many different locales and characters. He lives in San Francisco, in California, where many of his books take place. He was last featured way back in episode five, and I think I'd probably be a bit more positive about that book if I read it more recently. Very much Irvue from a different headspace. So noir, in one sentence, as provided by Christopher Moore on his webpage, is, guys, dames, San Francisco in 1947, a deadly African snake, an Air Force general from Roswell, New Mexico. What could go wrong? And I learned of Christopher Moore when I was working at a public library and had a colleague who spoke up very favorably of him as an entertaining, humorous author, and I've kept up with his work since then. So in general, my thoughts on this are, if you like any Christopher Moore book, a lot of the writing features humorous dialogue and the main characters getting in over their heads and trying to find their ways out. There's nothing new in our regard here and his books are usually a fun way to spend a day or two. might make you laugh out loud a few times. My favorite books of his are 2003's Fluke, or possibly 2004's The Stupidest Angel. But back to noir. It's featured here because the sequel, Rasmataz is due out this year and was a reading soon feature that I have now started, thanks to NetGalley. So here in noir, we're treated to a detective fiction parody, at least for the first third before it sustains itself on the inertia of the plot machinations. Sammy, a bartender, falls in love at first sight with a beautiful blonde named Stilton, jokingly referred to most everyone else as the Cheese. Before he can get to know her, however, his boss gives him a job to supply an Air Force General with a few women for entertainment for an elite club meeting. Then Stilton disappears, and government men roam about, and a UFO has been spotted over Mount Rainier. Rasmataz starts with the disclaimer, and I believe, or at least hope Noir did, but it's been so long I'm not entirely sure, but the disclaimer about language and portrayal of the different characters being reflective of the time the story is to take place, or how it was portrayed in film anyway. Some of Sammy's get-rich-quick schemes are unfortunately very stereotypical, with pets as food for Asians and snake wine for fertility. How much of these are poking fun at those with those beliefs or the stereotype is debatable, especially from a white white male author. In War's favor, he does frequently include a diverse cast of characters with many different perspectives and identities. However, for Erasmataz, part of the vault The plot involves someone murdering murdering drag queens, or uh, lesbians in drag, anyway. So, the point at which it goes from parody to regrettable is certainly debatable. And our final book is A Coffin for Demetrios, or as it was published in the United States in 1939, The Mask of Demetrios. It's by Eric Ambler a white English screenwriter and author of thrillers. He is credited with introducing a new realism to the genre. His first novel, The Dark Frontier, was published in 1936. John Le Carr has described Amler as the source on which we all draw. And A Coffin for Demetrius is A Chance Encounter with a Turkish Colonel leads Charles Latimer the author of a handful of successful mysteries into a world of sinister political and criminal maneuvers. At first, merely curious to reconstruct the career of the notorious Demetrios, whose body has been identified in an Istanbul morgue, Latimer soon finds himself caught up in a shadowy web of assassination, espionage, drugs, and treachery that span the Balkans. I learned of this book through James Mustich's 1,000 Books to Read Before You Die. So it is centered on Charles, a former academic-turned-mystery writer, who gets curious and then in over his head. Latimer feels that because he writes mystery fiction, he should be able to fill in the gaps of demetrios's known movements. As any of us are tempted, Latimer decides to pursue this new research topic and procrastinate writing his next book. As he rationalizes it, he may use Demetrios' past as his next book. This novel shows the reader some of the challenges and instability of the Balkan region following World War I, with wars of independence or territorial control to establish borders, assassinations, attempts, and a question of finances with many countries forming and then collapsing in the 1930s. In general, it's well paced. Latimer starts working through Demetrios' history chronologically before his choices lead him to a more complicated situation. And in general, the book begs you to ask the question, how far would you go to resolve your own curiosity? And our reading soon in progress book is The Books of Jacob by Olga Tokauchuk, and translated to English by Jennifer Croft. In the mid-18th century, as new ideas and a new unrest begin to sweep the continent, a young Jew of mysterious origins arrives in a village in Poland. Before long, he has changed not only his name but his persona. Visited by what seems to be ecstatic experiences, Jacob Frank casts a charismatic spell that attracts an increasingly fervent following. In the decade to come, Frank will traverse the Habsburg and Ottoman empires with throngs of disciples in his thrall as he reinvents himself again and again, converts to Islam and then Catholicism, is pilloried as a heretic and revered as the Messiah. And wreaks havoc on the conventional order, Jewish and Christian alike, with scandalous rumors of his sects, secrets, rituals, and the spread of his increasingly iconoclastic beliefs, as excerpted from Goodreads. This has been another episode of Book Club of One. Thank you for listening. I welcome constructive criticism and book recommendations. Or even if you found a book through this episode and want to share the story, feel free to reach out through Instagram and Gmail at book club of Uno. Book Club of One is recorded and distributed by anchor.fm. And remember, no one should be shamed for reading.